This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu has been killed. And then they chopped off his left arm. And these souls are alive and they are in gardens right now, enjoying what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised them. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa wala. Welcome to Mu'ta. This is the site of one of the most significant battles in the history of Islam. And in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, even though the Prophet ﷺ was not a part of this battle himself. Now, when you go back to the time of the Seerah, the Prophet ﷺ had just completed Sulh Hudaybiyah, the peace treaty of Hudaybiyah. They'd also just finished after Hudaybiyah, the conquest of Khaybar. And so this is a time now where the Muslims finally have some strength and also the ability to be able to send messengers throughout the world to call people to Islam. We know the famous story of the Prophet sending Ja'far to Abyssinia, and this was, of course, before the Hijrah. But after Hudaybiyah, the Prophet sends Dihya to the Emperor of Rome, and he sends Abdullah ibn Hudhafa, the famous companion to Kisra of Persia. And he sends these messengers all over. Now, the Prophet received a mixed reaction from different places in the world. When he sent Abdullah ibn Hudhafa to Kisra in Persia, the famous response was that Kisra tore the letter that came from the Prophet And he threatened the Prophet through Abdullah ibn Hudhafa and then sent hitmen to go and capture the Prophet And when the Prophet heard what Kisra had done, the Prophet said, Mazzaqallahu mulka, may Allah tear his kingdom. And indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tore the kingdom of Kisra. Now in this direction, the Prophet sent Harith ibn Umair al-Azdi towards the direction of Busra in Asham. And when he was on his way, he was stopped in this particular territory. Now obviously, Bilad al-Sham was considered Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Palestine, the entire area. But this was on the way to where he was supposed to arrive. And as he is stopped, he stopped by the Ghassani Arabs. Now, the Ghassani Arabs were Christian Arabs who were allied to the Roman Empire. And they were a threat to the Muslims from the north. And as they stopped him, as the chief of the Ghassani stopped him, he said to Harith ibn Umair, where are you going? And he said, I'm on my way to Busra. He said, are you the messenger of the one who claims to be a messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? And he said, yes. And then he proceeds to take Harith ibn Umayr and he essentially crucifies him, which was completely unheard of. This is the only messenger of the Messenger who was actually murdered, right? Even Kisra did not murder Abdullah ibn Hudhafa because this was accepted international law and standard that you don't kill an ambassador, you don't kill the messenger of the Messenger. And so the Prophet, when that happened, Rasulullah sent a letter and it was responded to in an evil way and the Prophet amassed an army of 3,000 companions to send to this area of Mu'tah. And he said وسلم, as he sent them out here that Zayd ibn Haritha is in charge. And if Zayd is martyred, then the next person to take the banner is Ja'far ibn Abi Talib who had just arrived in Medina after Khaybar. And if Ja'far is martyred, then Abdullah ibn Rawaha is to take the banner. 
and he dispatches them وسلم, now when they arrived here at Mu'ta they found not the size of the army that they were expecting you had a hundred thousand of the Ghassanis themselves and then you had another 50 to 100,000 professionally trained fighters. So they used to have these legions and in each legion was a thousand soldiers. So you had 150 to 200 legions, meaning up to 200,000 soldiers and the Muslims were only 3,000. This was the most disproportionate that they had ever seen even through Badr, Uhud and Khandaq. And so here they are, and it was here that the Muslims hesitated a bit. They didn't know whether they should send a messenger back to Rasulullah to receive new instructions or if they should continue forward. And Abdullah ibn Rawaha was the one who said, continue forward. This is what you came here for. Do not fear. If we are granted shahada, we're granted shahada, but do not fear. And they went forth. And in this battle, that's where you would find that the Prophet would lose three of the closest people in the world to him, Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu, then Ja'far radiallahu anhu, then Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu ta'ala anhu. As-salamu alaykum ahli diyar, al-Muslimin al-Mu'mineen, antum as-sabiqoon, wa inna insha'allahu bikum lahiqoon, as-salallahu lana wa lakum al-afiyah. So the first place we're going to begin is we're going to go to the grave of Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhu Hibbu Rasulillahi sallallahu And he's in gardens far more beautiful than, than these gardens that we have here now Bismillah Begin here um, SubhanAllah this is Zayd ibn al-Haritha, Hibbu Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the beloved one of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a young man who chose the Prophet sallallahu over all else. He was abducted as a child from Suq al-Uqad, from the slave market in Mecca. And then eventually he was gifted to Hakim ibn Hizam radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who then gifted him to Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha who then gifted him to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam before the revelation of Islam. And because he was abducted, his father was looking for him. Haritha was looking for him. And for years, Haritha would look for Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he used to even have these lines of poetry. Bakaytu ala Zaydin wa lam adri ma fa'al ahayyun fayurja am ata dunahu al-ajab wa wallahi ma adri wa inni lasailun aghalaka ba'da sahlu am ghalaka al-jabal. He used to say, I cry over Zayd and I don't know what happened with him. Is he still alive that he could be hoped for, or has he met his death somewhere else? I don't know, and I'm looking for closure. Did you die on flat ground? Did you die a natural death? Did you die off of a mountain cliff? How did you pass away, O Zayd? And eventually, when he found Zayd radiallahu anhu, years later, he found him with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And at that moment, Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu had the opportunity to go back to his father or to remain with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, I want to be with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is before the revelation of Islam. And his father said, Ya Zayd, Are you going to choose being a slave? Even if you're a freed slave, are you going to choose slavery over freedom? 
and being someone who was strange over being with his family and amongst his tribe. And he said, I see something from this man, Muhammad And the Prophet took Zayd and he said to bear witness that this is my son, Zayd. He inherits and he is inherited from. And hence he became Zayd ibn Muhammad until the rule of tabanni, the rule of naming the one that you take care of after yourself came down. And he went back to being Zayd ibn Haritha, however, remains with the same closeness and proximity to Rasulullah وسلم, the beloved one of the Prophet Now, with Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Aisha radiallahu anha has a very interesting narration that Rasulullah would send any army with Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu as the commander, that any army that Rasulullah dispatched for the major battle Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu would be chosen. And when the battle of Mu'tah happens, it's no exception. And of course, years later, the Prophet would send Usama ibn Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu, appoint him as the leader of the army. And so Zayd radiallahu anhu was the first person to carry the banner in the battle of Mu'tah. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he can see and he is being given the commentary from Jibreel alayhi salam live in Medina as the battle is unfolding here. And Rasulullah as Anas anhu says, ascends the manbar and his voice is quivering in Medina. And he says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Usiba Zayd. Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu has been killed. Zayd ibn Haritha carried the banner and Zayd has been killed. When we talk about Hibbu Rasulullah the beloved one of the Prophet how many times did the Prophet hold this young man as a child? How many times did the Prophet grasp him as an adult? How many times did the Prophet stay with him when no one else was? And in Ta'if, when no one else was with the Prophet no human being, it was only this man who was with the Prophet And how close are they together now, where the restraints of this dunya no longer exist? Do not say of those who are killed in the way of Allah that they are dead, rather they are alive with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, being sustained, being provided for. And as we love the Prophet ﷺ and we love those who the Prophet ﷺ loved, what then of Hibbu Rasulullah ﷺ, the loved one of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ saw from Medina, Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu, fall here. And he said, Usiba Zayd, Zayd has been killed as his voice was quivering. And when you come down from Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu, you walk over to Maqam. Sayyidina Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu took the banner and as the Prophet ordered was the next in line for this command. Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Ja'far ibn Abi Talib. This was the first cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was 10 years older than Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu. 
and he was extremely beloved to the Prophet This is the first ambassador of Islam. When Rasulullah sent the Sahaba to Abyssinia to have a safe place where they could practice their religion. It was Ja'far only about 20 years old. Imagine the stakes, 20 years old. And he gives one of the most eloquent introductions to Islam, to Al-Najashi radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Al-Najashi radiallahu ta'ala anhu embraces Islam at his hands and provides the safe space for the Muslims to be able to practice their religion. Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu was beautiful, he was eloquent. And in fact, his name represents the perfection of speech. And he stayed in Abyssinia and he led that community with the instructions from the Prophet sallallahu from afar. While the Muslims made hijrah from Mecca to Medina, Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu stayed put in Abyssinia for many years, leading that community, guiding that community, administering the affairs of the Prophet on his behalf there in Abyssinia. Rasulullah experiences the opening of Khaybar and Ja'far arrives in Medina years after on a boat. And when the Prophet sees Ja'far coming forward, he was so happy, so pleased. He goes to Ja'far and he embraces him and he says, I don't know if I'm happier I don't know if I'm happier with the conquest of Khaybar or with the coming, the arrival of Ja'far And as he embraces Ja'far he gives him the highest compliment. He says, The closest person who resembles Rasulullah in his physical appearance and in his character is Sayyidina Ja'far He resembles the Prophet so much that he had the same love of the poor. Abu al-Masakin was one of his nicknames, the father of the poor, because of how he used to sit with the poor and take care of them. His eloquence, his speech, his beauty, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So subhanAllah, it's almost immediately after Khaybar, when Ja'far radiallahu anhu just settles Medina, and the Prophet finally gets to have his cousin back, that the dispatch here to Mu'tah happens. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that after Zayd ibn al-Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Sayyidina Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu is the one who is to take the banner. Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He picked up the banner. Akhadha raya He picked up the banner after Zayd ibn al-Haritha was killed. And Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu dove deep into the army. And the description of Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu is that as he was carrying the banner in his right hand, the Romans chopped off his right arm. So he dropped the banner. And Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu goes down and he grabs the banner with his left hand. And he holds up the banner of the Muslims with his left hand, with no right arm. And then they chopped off his left arm. And Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu could have given up. You imagine, subhanAllah, he is standing there radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And his arms are missing. And he goes to the ground and he picks up the banner with the stubs of his arms. And he holds up the banner of La ilaha illa Muhammad Rasulullah. And then the description of Ja'far is that he was attacked and he suffered over 50 wounds, as is narrated in Al Bukhari, over 50 times, up to 90 times. His body was struck over 50 times until he died 
grasping the banner of between his between what was left of his arms. This was the first man to go out and speak on behalf of the Prophet and who carried La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah with the eloquence of his speech and with the beauty of his character to Najashi, to where Najashi fell in love with the Prophet through Ja'far And here his sacrifices and dedication shows carrying the banner of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah even between his two arms which had now fallen to the ground. He didn't get to spend much time with the Prophet but the Prophet loved Ja'far and Ja'far loved the Prophet And the Prophet saw, and SubhanAllah, these shuhada, the bodies of these shuhada are nothing but bodies. Rasulullah said, قَدْ رَأَيْتُ Ja'far." I saw Ja'far and he was flying in Jannah with the angels. And Rasulullah as he's standing on the minbar and Jibreel is giving the Prophet the vision of what is happening in Mu'ta. Rasulullah says with, as Aisha says, grief overcoming his face, Usiba Ja'far. Ja'far has fallen as well. Uh, Asma' radiallahu ta'ala anha bint Umais, the wife of Ja'far. She says that as the Prophet came from the masjid and he visited our home, imagine the Prophet has to carry the news of the shahada of Ja'far to his family now. And she didn't know what to expect. She was afraid that something had happened when the Prophet came to visit, but she didn't know what to expect. And she describes the moment. She says that the Prophet came into the home and the Prophet's face was covered in grief. And the two boys of Ja'far anhu ran to the Prophet to hug him and to embrace him. And Rasulullah embraced the children of Ja'far anhu, the sons of Ja'far anhu. He started to smell them وسلم, as he was holding the children of Ja'far anhu. And then he started to cry. And Asma knew what the Prophet was coming home to tell her. So she asked the Prophet what happened. He said, Inna lillahi wa inna Ja'far was martyred. Ja'far is a shaheed. And those kids that the Prophet held, Abdullah ibn Umar and the Sahaba, they used to walk to those kids and imagine this being your father. They used to say, Marhaban, welcome to. Ibn, the son of Dhul Janahayn, the possessor of two wings. One day when we enter into Jannah, ta'ala, we will see this man flying in Jannah with his wings. Ta'ala anhu. And so again, Zayd anhu now has fallen. And the Prophet said, Usiba Zayd, with his voice quivering. And then he paused وسلم, for some time on the minbar, and his face became overcome with grief. And he said, Usiba Ja'far. Ja'far has been killed. SubhanAllah, we come to Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu ta'ala anhu. This man, 
was the man when the Prophet came to Al Madina, who was the first true poet of the Prophet. He came out and he met the Messenger and Bay'atul Aqaba. And he embraced the message of the Prophet early on. And he was a poet and he was a mujahid, he was a warrior. He was with the Prophet in every single battle. He was there fighting alongside him and never showed any type of hesitation. He was a abid, he was a worshipper. The famous worshipper Abu Darda was his best friend. And Abu Darda embraced Islam through Abdullah ibn Rawaha and eventually became the great scholar that we know. Abdullah ibn Rawaha used to walk with the Prophet fight alongside him and author poetry as he was defending the Messenger When the Messenger after Bay'atul Ridwan, after taking the pledge in Hudaybiyah, made his way to Umrah the next year, the makeup Umrah, Abdullah ibn Rawaha was standing next to the Prophet and sharing all sorts of lines of poetry defending the Prophet and demonstrating the virtue of the Messenger and the Prophet said that the words of Abdullah ibn Rawaha rained down on them harder than any arrows would rain down on them and he was also a abid, a worshipper Abu Darda said that we would be out on a day hot day and no one else would be fasting except for Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu ta'ala anhu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when the Prophet sent the expedition to Mu'tah and he said Zayd is the commander and if Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu drops the banner or is unable to serve because he is martyred then it is Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu and if Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu is martyred then the third leader is Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And so he's the third person to pick up the banner on the day of Mu'tah. And when they arrived at Mu'tah and they realized that they were only 3,000 and they were facing an army between 150,000 people and 200,000, some of them said, let's go back to Medina or let's send a messenger to the messenger and ask him what to do. And Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu ta'ala anhu he said to them, what you fear is exactly why you came here, which is a shahada. You can't fear a shahada. We shouldn't be afraid. We already know what the Prophet ﷺ told us to do. He gave us our orders. We go forth. And he was the one, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, constantly giving the Muslims their energy and giving them words of encouragement to go forth and to not be afraid. And he was seen crying, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, this man who was with the Messenger وسلم, in the most precious of moments, who the Prophet وسلم, praised on numerous occasions, who the Prophet وسلم, entrusted. He was seen crying before the battle, and they asked him why he was crying. And he said, I heard the words, I heard the ayah that every single one of you we'll pass through it, we'll pass over the Sirat, we'll pass through that difficult moment over the fire. And that is a promise upon your Lord. This man, anhu, who was given the glad tidings of Jannah, this man who was with the Prophet in these hardest moments, 
was afraid for himself. And on the day of Mu'tah, when he picked up the banner and he started to go forth, Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu anhu, as he sensed any type of any type of hesitation on his part as he was telling the Muslims to go forth, he said, Ala ya nafs, O nafs, bima araki takrahina al-jannah. Why do I see you not liking Jannah? Why do I see you hating your entrance into Jannah? Go forth. I'm going to enter you into Jannah whether you like it or not. Bima araki takrahina al-jannah. Why are you why are you hesitating to enter into Jannah? And he went forth radiallahu ta'ala anhu so bravely and he drove deep into the army until he was struck and he was killed. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was standing on the minbar and after he said, Usiba Zayd, that Zayd radiallahu anhu was killed. And then Ja'far took the banner and he waited for some time, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he said, Usiba Ja'far. Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhu was martyred. And then he said, Abdullah ibn Rawaha akhad al-raya. Abdullah ibn Rawaha has taken the banner. And some time passes, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, after some time, starts to cry. And he said, Usiba Abdullah ibn Rawaha, Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu ta'ala anhu was martyred. And Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu has taken the banner. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says that when the Prophet said that Abdullah ibn Rawaha has been killed, that he started to weep alayhi salatu His voice initially quivered with Zayd, his face showed grief with Ja'far. And then after some time passed and he saw that Abdullah ibn Rawaha had passed away, the Prophet said that Usiba Abdullah and he started to cry alayhi salatu This was the third appointed commander of the army and subhanAllah we're standing literally right next to him. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. But of course these bodies are nothing and the Sahaba understood that it's not the bodies, it's the souls. And these souls are alive and they are in gardens right now, enjoying what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised them. And then Khalid took the banner and he is a sword from the swords of Allah. When the battle was coming to this conclusion of sorts, the Muslims had lost all three commanders that the Prophet had commanded to take the lead. And they looked around and there was a man by the name of Thabit bin Arqam and he said, choose someone to take the banner. Khalid was a new Muslim, maybe a few months prior to the Battle of Mu'tah. It's his first battle. And the Muslims knew him as the man who devised the scheme that led to their defeat in the Battle of Uhud. And they look towards him and they want to appoint him as the leader. And Khalid is hesitant and some are hesitant as well. But Khalid becomes the safe of Allah now, the sword of Allah. He takes the banner and Khalid devises a scheme whereby the 3,000 will look like far more than what they really are. Hence, they'll be able to distract the Ghassanis 
from different directions. So he says as a diversion tactic, carry sticks and tie things to your camels and horses and then go from different directions and they will see the dust kicking up and they will think that a larger army has come towards them. And then Khalid was able to strike at the center and Khalid with the Muslims that were left with him were able to inflict heavy casualties on the other side. Khalid himself says, I broke nine swords on the day of Mu'tah. And they come back, subhanAllah, to Al-Madinah, victorious, 3,000 over 200,000 people. And while the Prophet is grieving over the loss of his three close companions, here he is, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam now, and there is an observable miracle and victory that has taken place with the Muslims. And here they are now with this renewed self-esteem. So these are the shuhada of Mu'ta. As you can see, they're, very, they're a very small number. Obviously, you have at the top Zayd ibn Harith radiallahu anhu and Ja'far ibn Abi Talib and Abdullah ibn Rawaha, the three commanders. Wahb ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He's the brother of the famous uh, Egyptian governor Abdullah ibn Sa'ad. Wahb radiallahu anhu was only 40 years old in this ma'raka, in this, in this battle when he passed away. And he attended every battle with the Prophet Imagine being just 40 years old, subhanAllah, and he attended every single uh, battle with the Prophet Abad ibn Qais, Mas'ud ibn al-Aswad, Al-Harith ibn Nu'man, not the same as Al-Haritha ibn Nu'man, another famous companion. Suraqa ibn Amr, not the famous Suraqa who uh, caught the Prophet in the Hijra. Abu Kulayb ibn Amr, Jabir ibn Amr, Amr ibn Sa'ad, and Amr ibn Sa'ad. Three years later, Rasulullah has commissioned Usama ibn Zayd anhu to come out to fight the Byzantines. Usama ibn Zayd, Zayd anhu is buried here. Usama ibn Zayd leads the Muslims to victory in the Khilafah of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq under the command of the Prophet وسلم, that he would lead. And here we are standing on the shoulders of great people. These Sahaba whose bodies are here reside in gardens beneath which rivers flow. Do not say of those who have been killed in the way of Allah that they are dead. Rather, they are alive, being sustained. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward those companions and join us with them and with the Prophet in Al-Firdaus Al-A'la. Jazakumullahu khaira. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.